you are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That is at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. On today's show, we're going to dive into Kansas City making a roster move and what this means for the future of this team and for the 2021 season. This is Locked On Royals, your only daily podcast about Kansas City Royals baseball, and let's dive into it. So Kansas City has just made a move at the winter meetings. It's been reported by Jeff Passan, Kansas City legend Jeff Passan, and others that Carlos Santana has inked a two-year deal with the Kansas City Royals for $17.5 million. Kansas City has spent $17.5 million dollars on a two-year deal for Carlos Santana with some incentives. He can get it all the way up to 18.5, I believe. Uh, But that's the baseline of the contract. And Kansas City gets there by paying a 34-year-old who is a one-time All-Star, has won a Silver Slugger, had a down year last year while the world was having a down year itself. So how do you balance this move? And what is this move? Well, I'm curious about this. And there's two ways to look at it. You can take his last season, 2020, where he played all 60 games but was atrocious, only hitting those eight home runs, most of which felt like they came against Kansas City. Uh, he, he got 47 walks, though, so that's you know also incredible for a power hitter to be able to draw these walks. And that's why he's so valuable as a power hitter. I mean, he led the league in walks in 2014. He led the league in walks in 2020. He led the league in walks, uh, you know, close to, I should say, in 2018, over 100 in 2019. This guy's really good at drawing walks and getting on base, even as a power hitter, which is a very rare combination to find. It is very rare. In that year that he led the league in walks, he also had 27 home runs. That is almost unheard of in this day and age. He's finished in MVP voting, top 16, twice in his career. In 2013, he was he was number 15. In 2019, again, just last season, in 2019, he was, he was 16th in 2019. Also an all-star at the position, and that's whenever he won his silver slugger. So, there's two ways to look at this. You can look at this as a net negative, because you envision 2020 expanding and and being worse in 2021 and then worse in 2022. You picture this guy on the back end of his career at age 34, and really he'll be 35 when the season starts. His birthday's on April 8th, so I mean a week into the season he's 35. Or you can say, look, 2020 was a wild year for everybody involved. 2020 was was idiotic. I mean, you're never going to play the same division over and over and over again, God willing. You're never going to play a 60-game season Everyone throughout a 162-game season has a bad 60-game stretch or a 60-game stretch that does not live up to their expectation. But it's hidden and it's and it's covered up by 
the entire sample size, and baseball is such a game of sample size that you can afford that. And you can't afford that in 2020, though, obviously, because your sample size is 60. There's a lot of ways to go about this. Now, for me, it is a... I would call it a good move. Not a great move, not an amazing move, but not a bad move. It's a good move. This is going to slide. This is going to take care of your first base spot. Your first base slot was, you know, Dozier, O'Hearn. It was McBroom. So now you lose Franco. You put Dozier at third. Still an all-star level hitter. He still has that potential, and he still has reached that plateau before. All-star level hitter at third base. Now, at first base, you've got an all-star level hitter and a top 15 MVP level hitter at first base. Behind the plate, you have a gold glove winner, a silver slugger winner, an all-star, Salvador Perez. World Series MVP, Salvador Perez. At second base, you could have the best hitter, one of the best hitters in baseball, an elite hitter in Whit Merrifield, depending on where you want to put him in the the field. You could have an elite hitter at second base. Shortstop, you have whatever Alberto Mondesi can bring you. Let's be realistic here. Probably going to be a below-average hitter. I, I get it. He finished the year incredible last year. I understand that, but let's try to be realistic here. Probably going to be a below-average hitter or maybe an average hitter at best. Still, that's only one deficiency in your entire infield. In the outfield, you've got Michael A. Taylor in center field, who's going to be an atrocious hitter, but a really good defender. So you've got now two atrocious hitters in this lineup. But still, that is better than what we've constantly seen in Kansas City. And then from there, how do you fill out the remaining spots? Well, I'm going to give one spot in left field or right field to Edward Olivieras, who I think is an above-average hitter. You saw that in that short 60-game stretch last year. I think he can build on that. He can grow on that. He's a professional hitter. I'm going to give one spot to Edward Olivieras. And then you have one outfield spot remaining for Frenchie Cordero, for Kyle Isbell, for Khalil Lee, for whomever as long as you move Whit Merrifield down to second base. If you don't do that, you'd have Whit Merrifield in the outfield, and you have Nicky Lopez at second base, which then, again, presents another obstacle of a black hole hitter for now. But either way you go about this here, you have a competent lineup now. You have a lineup that is now shored up and is now going to perform and produce, hopefully, if all things go well. And then your DH spot, of course, is Jorge Soler, and we're hoping for a bounce back year from Jorge Soler. The reason why I like this move, the way I didn't like Mike Miner, the way I didn't like Michael Taylor, is because there's no real second base option that you're stunting. Listen, I like the Ryans. I like O'Hearn. I like McBroom. You know, they're good guys. But they're not the first baseman of the future. They're just not. So if you can bring in a veteran, you can bring in somebody for your locker room, you can bring in somebody like Carlos Santana, who has seen a lot of different locker rooms, including that atrocious one in Philadelphia in 2018 uh, that just got so out of hand. They were playing Fortnite in the locker room during games. It was, a, it, was a, it was a mess. And he's been involved in that situation. He's been involved with Cleveland and Francona, so a well-respected manager. You bring someone in like that in, it's a great move. And then you're also not roadblocking somebody. The Royals are not going to have a prospect who you consider the first baseman of the future in these two years. There's not. There's no way. So he's not doing any harm, and he might add you some MVP-level hitting in your lineup. And as we talked about, if they do expand the postseason, this could be the difference in the Royals getting in and the Royals being right on that cusp and keeping you engaged. That's a big key. Keeping you engaged in this team. When you are going to start competing with Patrick Mahomes, how can the Royals keep this audience, how can the Royals keep this fan base intact 
when Mahomes starts training camp, when Mahomes starts preseason, when Mahomes starts week one? How can they keep some, some symbionts of a fan base when all that happens? Having Carlos Santana, having a team that will be about six games out of the postseason or better, that will do it for you. And it might sound crazy to somebody who's not in the weeds of Kansas City sports, but when the Royals had their fantastic stretch this season, when everything went their way, that, that two-week stretch, it was only two weeks, people thought that that could parlay into a postseason run, even though there's absolutely no chance it could. Absolutely no chance. But people bought in. And that's what Kansas City wants you to do. That's the, that's the best thing for their business. And so if Carlos Santana can be that factor to help this team get close to the postseason or, heck, even reach the postseason in an expanded postseason year, then this move was totally worth it for them, business-wise. And for me, I like it because you're not blocking anybody. You're just not. So coming up, we're going to talk about some realistic expectations for Carlos Santana, and we're going to get into some more news around baseball. We're back on the Lockdown Royals podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Is that R Y L A N underscore S T I L E S? We're going to continue talking about this Carlos Santana move. This is Lockdown Royals, your only daily podcast about the Kansas City Royals. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Royals, by the way. Carlos Santana, in his age 35 season next year, is projected to hit 16 home runs, drive in 50 runs. Have a 239 batting average, have a 359 OBP, have 463 slugging, have 796 OPS. That's what, he's, that's what his projections are. And his projections, I think, uh, are going to be better than whatever other option he had at first base, whether that's uh, O'Hearn or whether that is going to be McBroom. Because as we talked about a week ago, Hunter Dozier seemed likely to shift over to third base. This now confirms it. It's exciting. I mean, this is kind of what you want Kansas City to do, right? I mean, take the risk, take the chance on the high upside guy in positions in which you're not blocking anyone. And the reason that Michael A. Taylor signing was not good, in my opinion, is because he has no upside. He has no chance of becoming an all-star level hitter or an MVP level hitter, the same way that Carlos Santana does. He is blocking somebody, right? He's blocking somebody's development because... If you move Whitmere for the second base, he's now blocking whatever Nicky Lopez could turn into. And Nicky Lopez is already a gold glove defender. You just need Nicky Lopez to figure out how to hit the, to hit the baseball. And the only way that Nicky Lopez figures out how to hit the baseball is by playing baseball. It's by going up against MLB pitching. That's how he figures out how to hit the baseball. So, you're going to block Nicky Lopez if you bring Wit in. If you leave Wit in the outfield, you're now blocking one of Kyle Isbell, Khalil Lee, Edward Olivieras, Frenchie Cordero. You're not blocking one of those people. So that's why I didn't really like the Michael A. Taylor, you know, signing for what? Because you're blocking them for what? You're blocking them for a above average fielder in center field? Oh, okay, fine. I mean, sure, I guess, who has literally zero upside. But this Carlos Santana move, the more that we talk this out together, the more and more I'm call I'm going to start calling it not a good move, a great move. 
when you get that initial shock of, oh my God, they just signed a 35-year-old to a two-year deal, you know, who had a bad year last year, but you start to think through this process with Dayton Moore, and this has turned into a great move. This lineup is exciting, and, and, and I'll admit, I'll admit, if you listen to this podcast a year ago, I called this lineup exciting. We started this podcast December 31st, I believe. That day, I called this lineup exciting because they added Michael Franco. We saw how the Michael Franco signing ended up. Started out poor, but then turned it around a little bit in the middle of the season and at the end of the season. But still, we saw how that lineup ended up. But once again, I am once again, as Bernie Sanders would say, I'm once again buying into this Royals lineup. This is going to be fun. It's going to be interesting, to say the least. Of course, fun is going to be dictated by how much they can actually win, how much they can actually produce together. But interesting is another thing, and this is going to be very interesting. Another you know news tidbit that happened is that the the uh, Rangers sent Lance Lynn to Chicago in a trade. Chicago also signed Adam Eaton, but Chicago gets another pitcher uh, who I think I think he's pretty washed, but but maybe he can have another good year you know this season in uh, the Central Division. Uh, but Lance Lynn is somebody who you know you just never know what he's going to bring to you. Good move for the White Sox. I don't think, I do not think that they gave up a ton to get Lance Lynn. And last year, he led the league in innings pitched. He led leagues in games started. He led the league's uh, league in uh, batters faced. And still, though, he had a 3.32 ERA. So not terrible. Not terrible at all. But I, I just think that you know he's going to continue, I think, to regress as he enters his age 34 season. I, I, I'm interested in this move for sure. I, I wonder how he'll perform in the Central Division. But that's something that Kansas City will have to have an obstacle with. And that's another thing about Carlos Santana. He has spent all but one year, Carlos Santana has, in the Central Division. He understands all these pitchers. Now, granted, he'll need to flip Kansas City and, and Cleveland. He no longer gets to face Kansas City pitching. He gets to face Cleveland pitching, which is a lot better. But other than that, he's faced all the Tigers guys. He's faced all of the White Sox guys. He's faced all of these teams to where he's comfortable. And comfortable is a big thing in baseball. Comfort level can really dictate how successful your season goes and how successful your season is. And so he should be comfortable in this division. And if all goes right for Kansas City, they're going to have a well above average lineup. I mean, they're, they're going to have a well above average lineup if all goes right. If you get Soler back to hitting, if you keep what Mirfield at that elite level, if you get Santana back to his once MVP level hitting, if you get Perez doing what he did last season, I mean, he just went on a nuclear tear for 60 games. If you get that Salvador Perez again, if you get Mondesi, what he did the last two weeks of the season, if you get Edward Olivieres, what he did last season, if you start to add those up, this team's going to be a really good hitting team, and they're going to be really fun and exciting. So we'll see what can happen with Kansas City, and we'll continue to follow it all along on the Lockdown Royals podcast, your only daily podcast about Kansas City Royals baseball. Be good, and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Lockdown Royals.